Politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow patriots and American taxpayers to the one and only Conservative Review podcast. This is Daniel Horowitz, your host in the house. Friday, we love Fridays, the end of the week, January 24th. And yes, it is March for Life Day, where those who believe, you know, in human life, something that simple, uh, conduct their annual march in anniversary, really commemorating the anniversary of Roe v. Wade. Um, We already commemorated it on the actual date, which was Wednesday. Um, But today, a lot of people will be waving flags, chanting slogans, and they're going to march to the Supreme Court, as if to say the Supreme Court has all the power and they need to overturn their legislative vote that they passed abortion. And as we noted on Wednesday, well, really the march needs to be to the White House and to Congress because that is really where the power resides. And I got to thinking a broader thought this week about bold colors, pale pastels, as Reagan always talked about. And really, if you think about it, a million times more than in Reagan's era, there is a much greater opportunity today for a movement, a political party, to provide that bold contrast to the governing elites and the the Democrats and all their supporters. Because they're more radical than ever. Battle lines. We need battle lines drawn. They believe that a man is a woman and a woman is a man. The criminal is the victim. The victim is the criminal. Illegal aliens are citizens. Citizens have no rights. Our guns are stripped from us. Everything is upside down, inside out. These guys are nuts. The country doesn't want it. Yet, you don't really hear a bold contrast. Once a year, you'll have a march for life. But where is the consistent, coherent, united movement that's supposedly supposed to be within the pro-life political party, the Republican Party, every day, every week, to harness a national moment and to push, yes, you heard it here, the R word, results, or the O word, outcomes. Not just feel good about yourself that you marched in a rally. President Trump, to his credit, much more than many of us thought, given his past history as a social liberal, has pushed what he could on on, on life uh, issues. But everything boils down to what? Budget bills. Budget bills. Well, what happens in a budget bill? You fund your priorities. Is it that hard for all of the Republicans in a unified voice to stand there and say, we will not allow private taxpayer funding to go to some private organization harvesting baby organs. Let the Democrats have a shutdown fight over that. That's how you provide bold contrasts. They are not only for murder, they are for murder funding a private organization with your your tax dollars 
harvesting those baby organs that, by the way, were supposed to be cartilage and they weren't supposed to have organs. Is it that hard? Otherwise, this is just an exercise in vanity. But if you look at the issues of illegal immigration and crime, healthcare, a man being a woman, a woman being a man, you, you can't find, like you'll find in one state, a couple of Republicans here and there once in a while talking about this. But you don't see anything where Republicans are driving a narrative. In this era of, of instantaneous, endless media saturation, you need incessant, incessant focus on everything you're doing. We don't have that. They're pushing not just transgenderism, forcing our kids to learn about a man being a woman and a woman being a man. You know, that, that human beings change the weather is, is supposedly a settled science, but X and Y chromosomes are not. No normal person believes in that crap. Come on. And not only that, they act on it by mandating through the courts and in the states that they control through legislation. Doctors performing castration operations. I mean, where is the equal and opposing force Republicans at a federal, at a state level where appropriate, depending on the issue, criminalizing that behavior? A doctor can't go and uh, chop off, a, just chop off an arm where there's no gangrene, there's no medical reason. To chop off someone's plumbing and then to subsequently inject them with mutilization, mutilating them, that's 10 times worse. 100 times worse. And yet, it's like, I thought about this because I saw one state legislature that Republicans control, they control over 20 of them with the governorships. South Dakota, they're pushing legislation to at least ban it to uh, engage in this stuff to provide these procedures for children. First of all, why isn't every Republican state doing this? Why aren't Republicans at a federal level doing this? And don't tell me it's a state issue because it's the federal courts that are mandating on states like Idaho that you have to take male rapists and put them in female prisons and cut off their balls, literally, at the behest of that prisoner. Ninth Circuit ruled on this a couple months ago. And yet the state of Idaho is, is not even passing anything. I don't see any legislation. And certainly at a federal level, they're not stripping the courts of jurisdiction over this. There's no battle lines drawn. You look at the crime issues. Let's, let, let's, go, to, let's go on to crime. It's kind of going to be a little bit of a free-for-all Friday. We're going to go through a bunch of issues here. All tied into this narrative of how we're lacking bold contrast. Bold contrast. And just first, before crime, I just want to say, President Trump, to his credit, amid the impeachment stuff, which has really turned out to be a bust, no one's focusing on it. The ratings are in the toilet, as I predicted. No one cares. They should have dismissed it. It was stupid not to. But anyway, the president did actually go through with finally, finally, after decades of this garbage, issuing orders to shut down birth tourism. 
And this is another issue that if you would press in a united voice, it would accentuate the radicalism of the left. A lot of the people in America don't even know this happens, where people could come and manipulate us and steal citizenship for their kids, even if you're more of an immigration expansionist. This is an, in, totally an indefensible practice. And yet the media and the left are you know, going crazy over it. But it's like, even when the president, despite the lack of a movement, does something good, where are all the Republicans going on the Sunday shows, banging away on this, backing the president, having a united voice on, we're not going to allow our sovereignty to be stolen, our birthright to be stolen by people who lie to get into this country and, and steal citizenship? Is, is it that hard? Score points off of it. Now, obviously, as we'll get to if we have time, you know, even the good things this administration does in immigration, which they're increasingly, again, you have Ken Cuccinelli, you have some good guys in the admin pushing good stuff. But if you're going to agree that any judge rules over us, just like a judge could say, um, even an eight-month-old baby in the womb with 100% developed is not a life, and that's the law of the land, well, a judge could make dead a life, a judge can make a denizen of an alien, a judge can make a man of a woman, and they're doing all three of those. So many people don't even know they're doing this, but let's, let's segue into crime. I, I said this before. What the left, and that includes 90% of right-leaning political groups and think tanks funded by the Koch brothers, what they are doing on criminal justice in this country is so outrageous. It's so unbelievable that it's unbelievable. People don't believe it. People don't even know what's going on. They're doing it quietly. And as I've said before, typically when one political party is doing something revolutionary, controversial, very much earth shattering, changing the status quo, the other party is going to be like, you guys did what? You pursued what? And they're going to run ads against everything they're doing, exaggerate what they're doing, you know, hyperbole. I mean, that's how politics works. You're going to go and just expose everything your opponents are doing. The problem is because Republicans fundamentally agree with this, including conservative movement people, so they've been able to enact this without firing a shot, without any sort of political battle that permeates into the media, and most people don't even know what's happening. New York, when they did this abolishing of bail, we, we've been banging away at it for months because it passed early last year, but it wasn't enacted until later in the year and really January 1st. People didn't really know about it. Now people are, out, are, are outraged. There's a lot of pressure, which is good. But you know, I was speaking to a friend of mine here in Maryland and we're talking about the crime problems in a lot of the neighborhoods. It's, it's getting worse every day. It's a great article out in the Baltimore Scum, a.k.a. the Baltimore Sun, about how the Baltimore City cops are having trouble even recruiting people. They can't even find people. Well, gee, I wonder why. When you have a war on cops instead of crime, when you treat the cops like criminals and the criminals like cops, well, who's going to want to be a cop? So I was speaking to this friend, and 
you know, I was telling him about all the outrageous stuff going on with criminal justice. Like, man, it's that bad. I didn't realize it. He's like, uh, you know, why, why don't you uh, tell Governor Hogan, the rhino Republican governor, you know, to, to push some of this stuff? And I, I looked at him. I said, he supports it. He signed two years ago a criminal justice deform bill that's a big part of this. He's part of it. Republicans are like, yes, there's too many people in prison. Yes, we spend too much money on incarceration. So where do we see this happening? So as I mentioned yesterday, when we had Eric Pratt of Gun Owners of America on the show, great episode. If you didn't hear yesterday's episode, make sure to catch up on it. So anyway, he, uh, we were talking about the juxtaposition, how the same people in the same breath that are pushing gun control burdening law-abiding citizens in an unconstitutional way, they are letting out violent gun felons and murderers from prison. Emphatically so. So we had this case in Virginia where the same week they pushed gun control, they called it the geriatric conditional release bill. Anyone who served up to 20 years, okay, up to 20 years in prison and reached the age of 50, they're released. If they served, if they reach 55, then they're released if they served 15 years. It's kind of a sliding scale. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, if, you, if you're 50 years old, I'm sure you don't consider yourself geriatric. Okay, this is not the 1700s. Um, <laughs> these people are at the prime of their lives. And as I noted, they're doing these type of bills in like 15 different states. It's all over. This is one of, there's about 15 different, more than that, 50 different angles that they're dismantling criminal justice in America. And as I said, this exposes the whole big lie that this is, oh, low level, nonviolent, first time. It's almost impossible for anyone to get 20 years in prison. See, they're trying to say, oh, you served long enough. But it's the opposite. By definition, if you're there for that long, meaning if you want to tell me there's someone that really is low level and was unjustly sentenced to 30 years, so show me who that is and we'll talk about it. But no, what they just say is anyone across the board serving more than that time. Well, who is anyone? If you're serving that time, that's murder one, that's rape one, and often they don't even get that. It, it, it usually would have had to have been a massive career criminal record building up to that. According to the Bureau of, of Justice Statistics, okay, they have all the data here. This is among those state prisoners released completing their sentencing in 2016. Now, if you're completing sentencing for rape, robbery in 2016 these are people that went into the system in the previous decade supposedly at the peak at the height of the great incarceration era where we were just like unjustly grabbing everyone and locking them up so what i'm telling you is this is a lag time the the people going into the system today in 2020 as opposed to roughly let's say 2005 it's, the numbers are going to be even less. I, I would love to see the numbers. But these are the, among the ones that completed their sentencing in 2016. The median sentence served, the median time served. So forget about all this crap about sentencing because no one serves out their sentence. The time served for robbery 
was 3.2 years. For rape or sexual assault, 4.2 years. Negligent manslaughter, four years. What about homicide? Okay, the median sentence, oh, you know, anyone's murder one, you're locked up for life. It's not true. 13.4 years. That was the median. But only 30% of all convicted murders, okay, that includes the worst of the worst of murder one, yada, yada, only just 30% served more than 20 years. And actually 40%, an even greater share of murder convicts, served less than 10. That's the reality of our system. This is the system that Democrats are saying is too harsh. And those people serving that time by 50, 55 years old need to be let out. But you know what? The first committee it passed, I'm not familiar with the Virginia legislature. But it passed nine to five in the Senate Committee on Rehabilitation and Social Services earlier this week. So that means it included at least one or two Republicans. And then it passed the Finance Committee 15 to one. Again, I don't know the state legislators. I don't know the roster there. But clearly, a lot of Republicans voted for it. You understand, Republicans are the perfect ace in the hole in Virginia. You SOBs want to take away our guns while letting out the worst gun felons? The worst murderers? Career criminals? Heck, we need the guns just to protect ourselves from your new legislation. But no, no, Republicans are nowhere to be seen. Nowhere to be seen. But it's worse than that. It's worse than that. Let's move on to Florida. This is why we can't have nice things. So Republicans usually vote against the worst jailbreak stuff when they're in the minority. As I said yesterday, nobody and nothing is so righteous as a Republican Party hopelessly in the minority. New York, California, now in Virginia. So, yeah, it's mainly the Democrats doing this. Vote Republicans so we stop doing this. Well, you look at every state where Republicans control the trifecta of government, they're pushing this garbage. They're pushing this garbage. So, same thing. You want to talk about bold contrast. You guys want to strip the self-defense of law-abiding citizens while letting out violent prisoners. That's a pretty powerful campaign message if you had a unified political party every day of the week pushing that message, running Willie Horton-style ads, you would win every election, even in blue states, I think. Yet, we have Republicans, where they control government, doing the same thing. Florida. Florida is the one bright spot. Really, very nice state. It's not Idaho. You know, it's, it's kind of a swing state. It's very much a swing state. Razor thin uh, margins of victory for Republicans, uh, presidential elections dating back a number of cycles already, or sometimes they've lost, they've even lost. But nonetheless, on a state level, they've been very successful. And for quite some time, they've held every statewide elected office. From governor down to agriculture secretary and, you know, secretary of state. And they've had majorities in both houses for a good chunk of the time, supermajorities in both houses. 
I believe right now they control the state Senate 23 to 17. They've, they've lost some ground. They still control it. So, and then you have, you know, really the best governor probably in America, Ron DeSantis. So you think like, man, if I'm going to vote Republican and, and all, we're going to have this bold contrast from the left where a man's going to be a man and a woman's going to be a woman under law, where a criminal is going to be a criminal and a victim is going to be a victim, where an illegal alien will be an illegal alien and a citizen will be a citizen. It's going to be in Florida, right? Well, standing in the way of Governor Ron DeSantis is State Senator Bill Galvano. Now, Bill Galvano is not just some fringe guy, you know, freshman backbencher. He is the Senate president. Now, at a federal level in, in Congress, in the U.S. Senate, so the, the, the president is kind of a ceremon ceremonial position. The real power is held by the Senate majority leader. But in many, if not most, uh, state, legislat state legislatures, it's the, the Senate president. So he is the number one guy. He's like the Mitch McConnell of the Florida Senate. This guy is pushing the same garbage. So as I mentioned yesterday, SB 7028 unanimously passed out of, what is it, the Senate's Infrastructure and Security Committee. All sorts of background checks for private sales, red tape, all designed really to ensnare private people in criminal prosecution. There's too many people in prison except for law-abiding people. Then they're all of a sudden for prison, as, as Eric Pratt said yesterday on the show. Galvano accepted $500,000 from Mike Bloomberg's uh, uh, political action committee. I forgot what it's called. And he's proud of it. He brags about it. And so we have Mike Bloomberg running the Republican Senate. At a time when they could, they have the power to provide bold contrasts. These very same clowns, him and his hand-picked uh, chairman of the State Senate Judiciary Committee, Tom Lee, both of them opposed Ron DeSantis on mandatory E-Verify to actually ensure that federal law barring illegal aliens from working actually goes into law and is actually enforced. That's the linchpin of illegal immigration. All this appalling degree of social problems, of criminal problems, of fiscal cost. That's the linchpin. You stop that, it will dry up. We researched this from the source. We had Todd, Todd Benzman on the show um, earlier this week on Tuesday. If you haven't seen it, make sure you check it out. Terrific briefing he gave us from his trip to Guatemala where he saw it in the villages from, from where they left. It's all about remittances. It's all about sending back money. It's all about working. You dry that up, illegal immigration's over. It's more effective than, than, than building a wall even. So we finally have a governor in one of the major states intersecting with illegal immigration, Florida, who's pushing as his top priority, mandatory verify. They're blocking it. These people, Tom Lee was like, we're leaving everything on the table for public safety. Nothing's off the table for gun control. Here you have a chance to prevent other countries' criminals. I, I wrote an article on this a couple um, weeks ago. James Zakos, a 70-year-old Floridian, was killed while driving because this illegal alien, Ulysses Mondegradon Umazoran Yabadabadu, 
legal alien from El Salvador, had a construction job for a company there, driving a forklift where you need a commercial vehicle license for that, driving a forklift and ran a stop, stop sign and killed him. Turns out he had a prior criminal record, lots of caught driving without a license before, was never deported, 100% preventable loss of life. Do something, do something. Well, we gotta avoid murder. Well, not harboring other countries' violent criminals is, is one of the easiest things you could do. In fact, it's required by federal law. This is the linchpin. Yet they oppose it. And, and, and Ron is going to have to go for some watered-down version. Because people went out and voted Republican. They wanted Ron DeSantis. But they also got Bill Galvano, Tom Lee. And this is a microcosm of, you could do this in all 50 states. There's no Republican-controlled legislature that doesn't have this problem at a leadership level. If there is one, let me know of one. I, I haven't seen one. And the point is, if you had to verify the guy couldn't work, he, he wouldn't be able to commit all these murders. When we talk about 354 murders in a given year in the New York City area, and how ICE had 200 detainers for murder, meaning mainly illegal aliens, some of them are illegal immigrants mixed in, for one year, 200 of them, you know, do something. So much loss of life comes from not enforcing our immigration laws. And these aren't just any immigration laws. This was the foundational immigration law that was the condition for Reagan agreeing to an amnesty of two and a half million people was that we would finally end working. And we don't enforce it. In fact, the states are saying we're going to ensure that they work and give them driver's licenses. And the federal government's not doing anything. Trump is really doing, you know, he is every few weeks enacting something. But one of the biggest things is if the Social Security Administration would work together with DHS and ping the numbers and go after identity theft, I have a whole article on this, if you go after identity theft, they cannot be in this country. Illegal immigration works off of identity theft. So every time you would ping, if you would have you verify, it would ping the system. You would be able to pick up which stolen ID, um, contact local law enforcement, have the IRS, SSA work together. It's, it's over. But, oh, that cheap labor. That, that, don't tell me you can't stop illegal immigration. Oh, you could stop it all right. Obviously, they could block remittances, which they haven't done yet, and that would also stop it. But anyway, they're, they're, they're against it. But here's the deal. Remember that juxtaposition. The same people pushing gun control, lock up the guns, let out the gun felons. Right, that's a Democrat thing. That's a radical position. Well, the same committees in Florida, they have a whole series of criminal justice reform, all designed, oh, juvenile this, juvenile that. The geriatric thing, that same committee, Senate Judiciary Committee, passed it out. The threshold was a little older, it was a slightly less draconian, but same idea. This gun control bill allocates 4.8 million reoccurring funds and 1 million non-reoccurring general revenue funds for a statewide strategy for targeted violence prevention. I've, I have a novel idea. How about target the violence? Not gun enthusiasts. Target the violence. Instead, they let out the violent. And again, Tom Lee, Galvano's 
uh, choice for Judiciary Committee chairman, Tom Lee was the only Republican to vote against Ron DeSantis's decision to uh, fire Scott Israel, the sheriff in Broward County, that many believe was responsible for ensuring that this the Nicholas Cruz, the Parkland shooter, was never locked up. And he bragged about this promise program, avoiding schoolyard to jail yard, where they wouldn't even kick them out of school, much less put them in jail when they would assault people and commit other felonies. Florida, the entire impetus for gun control in Florida and nationally came out of Parkland. And Parkland was all about criminal justice reform, deform. Can you imagine had Republicans as, as passionately as Democrats pushed gun control after Parkland, if Republicans would have put, pushed criminal control, known ticking bombs. You want to talk about red flag laws? Nicholas Cruz was the ultimate red flag. But criminal justice reform because, oh, we have to reduce the, the prison population. That's the dirty little secret of gun control. But Republicans support it. So you can't provide a bold contrast if you support the radical things the left's doing. They won't provide a bold contrast on the transgender agenda because Republicans are like, oh, we can't talk about that stuff. And on immigration, forget it. You want to talk about bold contrast. Let's move on here. Um, Axios. Axios.com. This is from earlier this week, a couple days ago. Exclusive. What's in Republicans' new climate change push? Trees, plastics, and favorable tax policy are at the core of House Republicans' new push on climate change. An effort to reassure voters they care about the problem after a decade of dismissing it. The proposals, some of which are new and being disclosed here for the first time, are being coordinated by House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy. Again, this is not like, okay, the most liberal fringe, fresh, you know, Elise Stefanik or whatever. No, I mean, this is the, this is the guy. I mean, what are we hoping for? Oh, Republicans need to take back the House. Do you know who's going to be a speaker? This very man. Kevin McCarthy, along with GOP reps Garrett Graves of Louisiana, a Southern Republican the top Republican on the Select Committee on Climate Crisis, Bruce Westerman of Arkansas. <laughs> I mean, it's not even like, okay, these are the Republicans in Democrat districts. Capturing carbon dioxide emissions with a focus on trees, clean energy innovation and funding, conservation focusing on plastic. I mean, this is literally the green venture socialism. The green ventures, the, the Solyndra, funding garbage, crony capitalism. You know, Republicans have the ultimate, they think like, oh, because the climate change is incessant, it's everywhere, they beat the drum, people believe in it. But at the same time, do people want crappy products? As I've said before, abstract policies and politics is kind of a small world. But when you make it real to people's lives, it's, it's universal. And when you start talking about people's broken appliances that don't work anymore, the garbage plastic the garbage plastic bottles that you can't even hold and you fall out, fall out of your hands don't work anymore. 
That's where this is coming from. Republicans could say, you want to bring us back to the 1930s? Heck, in the 1930s, we made better products than today. We're regressing on our quality of life. No one wants that. I said before, if there's one thing about America that's bipartisan, it's abundance. People love their good choices and options. They don't want that taken away from them. Cheap array of good options. Republicans could drive a stake through the left on this issue. Every last issue for which Republicans have an opportunity to provide a bold contrast, they not only blur it, they join the other side of the contrast. So there is no opportunity for a contrast. I mean, what am I supposed to do here? Trump is open to almost everything conservatives want to do, but the Republican Party has not changed. So either they'll wind up moving him along to do stupid things, or he'll be a lone voice, and there's no united front on an issue. This is the problem we have. No one wants to get involved in primaries. So we're stuck with this garbage. Oh, but it's a conservative version of climate change. It's a conservative version of amnesty. It's a conservative version of criminal justice reform. Why is it that we are always drinking out of their piss can? I'm sorry, but I mean, like, why is it that we are always orbiting around them? We're the moon around their earth. Why don't we make them orbit around us? Why don't we define the landscape? You guys are destroying our products. You guys are cutting off balls of, of men and treating them like women. You guys are flooding our country with low-skilled illegal immigrants and crime and the drugs. Men, I have an article out today on how if you look at the drug-associated deaths, it's really 2.2 times higher than what was estimated. 63,000 in uh, um, 2016. I have a new research paper I delve into from two Georgetown, uh, Georgetown and University of Pennsylvania um, funded study of two Princeton demographers that study mortality rates. They estimate 141,000 people die young every year from drugs. We're not going to stop all drugs, but that's all because of criminal justice reform, sanctuary cities harboring networks that we could easily get out of the country. Top-level drug trafficking are all done by the Mexican cartels and certainly the border. So many winning issues. I, I could go on and on. Fiscal, social, security. And, and again, it's not that Trump's not doing some good things. It demonstrates how much we could actually accomplish if we had a normal party and a normal movement and a normal conservative media that actually focused on this stuff. But behind every radical Democrat policy is a prominent Republican promoting it, giving it tailwinds, lending credence to its premise. And you know what's funny with this whole global warming thing? Oh, whoops, climate change. See, how do you say global warming set a law and then you're like, no, 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 no. Don't say global warming. Uh, climate change is set a law. And then in 10 years from now, it'll be a new thing. The irony of all this is, so we've had a warm spell here. You know, it's been a mild winter in the Northeast. It's been record cold in other parts of the country. 
But what's funny is if simple anecdotal evidence of just a warmer trend in some areas, again, some areas, see, it's global warming. You would think it's the entire globe, but it's not. It never is. It was always more the Northern Hemisphere than the Southern Hemisphere, um, which really tells you it has to do with weather patterns, sun patterns, atmospheric patterns. Um, maybe one day we'll get a, um, I have a couple of ideas of good meteorologists, climatologists on to talk about this. But if you're going to tell me that it's capitalism and production and power plants irrevocably changing the climate forever, and that's proved by, oh, we're having warmer spells in some areas, while the other areas are cold. Um, you look at all the records. So, you know, we, we came pretty close. There were some days it was in the 60s here for highs. And we didn't break any records. And, you know, I look back at the record books. I'm, I'm a little bit of a weather nerd. That's just one of my things. I, I like weather. And what was fascinating is, at least for the Baltimore area, BWI, some of the records were 100 years old. I mean, everyone, everyone knows that the 1930s was, with the Dust Bowls um, was a period where, where a significant, if not a majority of the por portion of the country was very warm. So if obtaining such weather anomalies relative to the you know, long-term averages is proof of anthropogenic global warming, that human beings irrevocably change the climate, then how did that happen long before we had this sort of thing? I mean, they want to bring us back to the Stone Ages, but even before the Industrial Revolution, or at least the culmination of it, we, uh, we were achieving these temperatures. Some of them were set in the 1890s. But anyway, that's your Republican Party. Where is the bold contrast? I have tons of cr crime stories. You guys are awesome sending me all this stuff. Um, to be honest, I can't even keep up with it. But, you know, on all your local markets, you're seeing one guy sent me from December, um, this teen who was sentenced to just 30 days for a straight up murder. Um, this happens all the time. But I just want to point out to you, I'm going to read a little bit of a column from Walter Williams, Unappreciated Crime Costs. This is what we need a party speaking to. And I just want to say for a moment, Walter Williams considers himself a libertarian. This is what a libertarian used to be like. This is an old school libertarian, not this modern day progressive libertarian. Walter Williams would always admonish libertarians for being for open borders and not worrying about the poverty and the he, he specifically talked about the, the diseases coming in. But anyway, he talks about crime. All the libertarians are for, you know, this garbage. And he said criminal activity imposes huge costs on black residents in low-income neighborhoods of cities such as Chicago, Baltimore, Detroit, St. Louis, Philadelphia, and many others. Thousands of black Americans were murdered in 2019. Over 90% of the time, the perpetrator was also black. Leftists and social justice warriors charge that what blacks have to fear most is being shot and killed by police, but the numbers don't add up. For several years, the Washington Post has been documenting police shootings in America. Last year, 993 people were shot and killed by police. 23%, 212 of the people shot were ki and killed were black. 35% were white. 16% were Hispanic. And 201 were, were of other unknown races. The high homicide rate within the black community doesn't begin to tell the full tragedy. Now, he doesn't say the numbers, but um, there's only about 15 or so where 
um, the Washington Post believes it was like um, unjustifiable. And if you compare that to the number of blacks killed by blacks, civilians, um, it's something like 7,000 a year, depending on the year, but it's a pretty, pretty consistent number. Um, crime imposes a hefty tax on people who can, at, can least afford it. They are the law-abiding residents of black neighborhoods. Residents must bear the time cost and other costs of having to shop outside of their neighborhoods. Supermarkets that are abundant in low-crime uh, neighborhoods are absent or scarce in high-crime, low-income neighborhoods. Because of the paucity of supermarkets and other big box stores in these neighborhoods, some experts and acad academicians have uh, labeled them as food de deserts. In low-crime neighborhoods, FedEx, UPS, and other delivery companies routinely leave packages containing valuable merchandise on a doorstep if no one is home. That saves the expense of redelivery and saves recipients the expense of having to go pick up the packages. In high-crime neighborhoods, delivery companies leaving packages at the door unattended would be equivalent to economic suicide. Fearing robberies, taxi drivers, including black drivers, often refuse to accept telephone calls for home pickups and frequently pass prospective black customers who hail them on the streets. Another overlooked impact of crime is lower property values. Homes that wouldn't fetch 10,000, 20,000, or 40,000 suddenly fetch hundreds of thousands when large numbers of middle and upper income people purchase formerly run down properties and fix them up. This is called gentrification, where wealthier, predominantly white people bid higher rental prices, thus forcing out low income residents. Um, and on and on. The cost of uncom uncompensated crimes is in the billions. Yet Republicans won't speak to this. They'll talk about, oh, we're spending too much money locking up violent criminals. Oh, but I'll call them nonviolent criminals. I want you guys to let your imagination run wild. Imagine if we had a party that consistently believed in life as fervently as the left believes in death. Imagine if we had a party that believed in sovereignty and security as much as the left believes in open borders and attenuating the value of citizenship. Imagine if we had a party that believed in the science of X and Y chromosomes the same way the left believes in castration operations mandated by courts for taxpayers to provide. Imagine if we had a party that believed in victim rights as passionately as the left believes in criminal rights. This is not hard to achieve. President Trump naturally is with us on almost all these issues. Imagine if we had a cabinet stocked with people like that. A Republican Senate and House stocked with people like that. States, governors. In a mirror image, that's called the Democrat Party. They have such a party. Where is our party? Where is the party of the forgotten American taxpayer that doesn't want anything from government to get involved in economics, just wants government to leave them alone and do its job, safety, security, the border, things that we can't do as citizens, but must be done to protect ordered liberty, do justice, do what's right. That is our job. And I'm going to be looking in the co coming weeks and months how to expand this movement 
We need to expand this movement. This is a majority, a silent majority movement. And I uh, can't do this without you. Drop me a note, comments, questions, or concerns at dhorowitz at blazemedia.com. Subscribe to our YouTube page at Conservative Reviews YouTube page to get this YouTube in your inbox every day. iTunes, Stitcher, anywhere you hear the audio version of podcasts, we're there, Conservative Review Podcast. Have a terrific weekend. God bless you all. Thank you.